Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or a real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you successfully sued a corporation only to have the principal claim it had no assets. What did you do? Dennis, we showed after the judgment there was a pattern of the principal taking money out of the corporation for his own personal purposes. And the outcome? After examining and documenting the corporation bank statements, we showed a pattern where the principal was using the corporation as his own personal piggy bank. We were able to show that he personally had a lot of money and should be the real defendant. He thought he could get away with everything by hiding behind the skirts of the corporation, but now he's personally liable. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. I'm Brock Lurie, and welcome to the show with me, my good friend and producer, R.A. David. Always a pleasure. All right, so today... We want to talk about passion. Yes, that's right, passion. Not the kind of passion between two lovers. Not the kind of passion that one has for great music or art. Or the kind of passion for, uh, that one has for a, an environmental cause or such like that. No, passion that is engendered by leaders that fail to do their job. And that is the passion of which we speak. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a president such as Obama, who for more than seven years at this point has delivered so little to the American population. And while he was not delivering anything, he was destroying things. When he was not destroying things, he was engaging in executive orders that were not within his authority to, to, to enter. When he's not doing that, he's mocking everyone else. When he's not doing that, he's spitting on you and telling you that it's raining. And I I think that the American population has seen this and has understood that they're being played for now for the past seven plus years. And it was already tough enough as it was with the previous politics, with the you know, it's it, you know, politicians have a much worse reputation, I think, than than not only lawyers but other. I think they're just below used car salesmen. I think they're somewhere near criminals. Right. Right. Of varying degrees. They're luckily they're above child molesters. Yes. Not much. Not much above. Child that's right. Molesters. But so they already had this difficult hurdle to meet, right? And then in walks Obama, who clearly is just. He's just BSing us all. And he thinks that you don't see it. See, the, the, it, the problem is it's like, <clears throat> I, know, I know this one guy, for example, that unless you tell him directly that you're BSing him, he thinks that you believe him. Now, in your mind, you're thinking, wow, this guy is, is really full of crap, right? But since you're not saying that to him directly, he thinks you're believing it. And he goes on further and further with his crap. That's what's happening with Obama. <clears throat> and the equivalent of what I'm talking about, about somebody telling him 
no, sir, you know, we, we, we're on to you, is the election cycle, right? But it only happens every two years. And then he pretends to get a message from those, uh, from those elections. And then very quickly after, he just kind of looks at the field and says, okay, well, here's, I still, ha- I, I still have enough Democrats. And if I don't have enough Democrats, well, I have a, this thing called a phone and a pen. And I'm going to pursue it. But guess what? In the meantime, the American population has been saying resoundingly so uh, ever since his presidency, we're concerned about you. We're concerned about you. We don't like what you're doing. That happened in 2010. That happened in 2012. And then, of course, in 2014. It was a steady increase in Republicans in the Senate and Republicans in the Congress. It did not go down. Unless you can correct me. I'm quite no, sure. And, and furthermore, <coughs> the real thing is a, a steady increase of Republicans at every state level. Yeah. State house, Good point. Governorships, governorships, everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was a clear message that people were pissed off at, at Obama and the Democrats in general. And the, the Democrats were saying they're running away from him. You remember this about Obamacare? They're running away from his liberal policies. They didn't want him to campaign for him. Uh, and they were right to be afraid of him, of his support. They didn't need support from him. So I, I, I believe that the expression of anger is really telling here. And it ends up being passion. So we got to the point where here we are in 2016. We're seeing the end of Obama's uh, presidency. And I think we feel like... A rape victim must feel when they finally are able to get out of the, 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 the control of their, their rapist and say what they want to say and how they want to just beat back as much as possible. And they're just furious, screaming. I mean, they, it's not as if they're, they're logical, right? You wouldn't expect that to happen. The, the, the victim would say... Not, he wouldn't say to the, to the rapist, you know, that was really not nice what you did. And I, I really would appreciate it if you would say you're sorry. I mean, it's a, not like that, right? A victim, after being so abused for so long, would say what, Ari? Would do what? stab you in the neck. Yeah, that's right. She would be rightfully outraged and would flail her arms, would be screaming. Saliva would be, you know, coming out of her mouth and, and spraying all over the place. Her hair would be wild, of course. Her eyes would be bug-eyed. And she would do whatever she could to destroy this guy. And then the police would eventually have to hold her back, right, and, and say, no, no, you can't do that. And hopefully they would arrest the perp and everything else. And, but, <clears throat> but that's the scene, right? Yeah, it's not like a, a victim of what you just said goes out into the world and says, you know what, now it's time for me to find that nice guy I've been looking right. for and settle down and raise the family. Right. No, they have to, uh, what's called, uh, deal with their feelings. Right. Yeah, they have, okay. to, they have to react. Exactly right. So it's not as if, to, to use your example just now, this, this victim will say, well, that didn't turn out so well and that was a very unpleasant experience. Uh, and now I'm going to find Mr. Wright, like you said. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just that's not the way it works. And this country has been so uh, molested, has been so abused by this presidency, has been so lied to. And, and that's where the, the kind of the, the affront has, has occurred, because people will ask us, what do you mean when you say this? Those are pretty strong words, Barack. 
No, I think we've been so abused, we've been so taken for granted, we've been so lied to that we, we are reacting now. Maybe not as horrifically as the, the victim I'm just describing right now, but pretty damn close. There's so much anger out there. And that is what we're seeing when it comes to 2016. The, and, and, and all the establishment Republicans who thought, well, okay, let's get in line. Let's do the appropriate uh, a dog and pony show. <clears throat> um, you know, I'm from Florida. I might have some that Florida is an important state. And I'm from Ohio. That's an important state, too. And let's, let's see jockey for position and everyone get in line. And all the good old boys are there. And, and yes, we might have this one woman. Uh, and let's see. That, that might shake things up a bit. And it turns out nothing of that mattered. Nothing. Because all of that was, to use a very trite phrase now, establishment. It was the way things were. It's the equivalent of saying, treating that rapist as though he was just a, a bad boyfriend. And, uh, you know, a, a boyfriend who, who, whose, you know, tastes are not similar to yours. That's or, let's, or let's use Mitt Romney's words <clears throat> about Obama. A nice guy who's just a little misguided. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if only. Yeah. If only he were just misguided. <laughs> Right, uh, and, and and liberals who who have voted for this man, they will see one day the devastation that he has wrought upon this country. You know, with this, you know, all those nice words that you hear, Obamacare, and and you know the the net neutrality and the free trade agreement here, and and all those crazy things that you've heard. I mean, we can go through a long list, but let's not bore bore everyone with it. It's one lie upon the other. We're an executive order dismissing the authority of the Congress and otherwise. That's what we're talking about. And the country is just can't wait to express its rage. And, and as it was to add fuel to the fire, imagine how outraged a rape victim would be if they were calling the police, calling the police, calling the police, saying I'm being, I'm being assaulted here, and they're not doing anything. That's the equivalent of the Republican do-nothing Congress that failed to do anything about Obama to yes, stop them. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, they, they gave a couple of bills suggesting repeal of Obamacare, for example, but that was about it, and they knew each time that it would not work. They... they They've constantly played with this man, this, this Obama, as though he were a, uh, an honest broker, when in fact we all know that he's not an honest broker. He doesn't like America. He, doesn't, he has no interest in actually projecting strength of America throughout the world. He has no interest in preserving the, the true founding father vision of America. And here we are. And so in walks a man named Donald Trump, who speaks to everyone's rage, and they, they soak it up. Because Donald Trump is, is that policeman that says, hey, lady, I'm with you. I'll stab this guy as well. I'm going to punch this mother effer with you. That's what he's saying. While the victim says, whoa, I, I mean, sorry, sorry the, the rapist suddenly realizes, whoa, he's got some big problems all of a sudden. It's, this is what we're dealing with. And this explains, with Donald Trump, why he has gotten away with everything, things that would ordinarily destroy any other candidate's campaign. Uh, even one comment would be, it mean nothing. I mean, he says it on a bi-weekly basis, these things. Yeah, and it, it, just, it just fluctuates. So right. for, uh, I mean, for, remember, for example, 
Romney said the 47% won't vote for us or whatever it was that he said. And that, that really maybe tanks his campaign. But, but when, when, when Trump says things like, let's not let any Muslims in, when Trump says that all Mexicans are rapists or, or a great deal of portions are, are rapists, uh, when he, and he doesn't even care to nuance it after the fact. When he makes a comment about Mussolini and doesn't backtrack on it, and, and then there's a KKK reference and doesn't really seem to understand it doesn't, that then he has to completely walk that back. Um, when he says in the beginning that McCain is not a war hero because he was captured, I mean, it's a disgusting comment, of course. All these different things that he said, and, and that's just, you know, those are the things I can immediately remember coming out of the top of my head. People don't care about it. I, I, one commentator said on on uh, uh, talk show radio that, you know, Trump could literally kill somebody. No, Trump said that. Yeah. Okay, Trump good. Said, well, there you go. I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and my voters will vote, vote right. for me. Right. And I think that's exactly right. Yeah. He, he, I think he is not that far off from the truth. I, yeah. I, I think there is something to that. His supporters have gone so mad if you dare in public on social media or otherwise <clears throat> criticize Trump, they attack you. Right. They don't question and give validity <clears throat> and ponder. and uh, There's no yeah. you know, um, self-reflection no. the, this, of Trump or his horde. Yeah. So this, is, this explains what we're seeing, you see, because he's not only able to say anything that he wants, anything, and, and get away with it, but the attention that he draws is so massive. It's so presumed. And, and if you're a Democrat, I want you to understand that the reason why this is happening is precisely because of Barack Obama. That is the reason why. It's not because... The Republicans have all decided to go crazy and vote for a man that is clearly not fit to be president. That's not the reason. It's because we're all angry, and guess what? You guys are angry, too. Because a lot of the Democrats are now peeling away, and they're moving toward Trump. Now, I would even give it a, a broader stroke, and I don't think this takes our conversation off the, the subject rail, to say that, t- take this back to Clinton. In, in 1973-74, when Watergate was being exposed, it was Republicans who turned on Nixon and said, you know what, we're not into this. This isn't cool. And it was very good for the country to have the voters' integrity turn on their own guy who went off the rails. Right, self-policing. Because, because having things like the enemies lists and other things, uh, using the IRS to look into destroying people, that was that's unacceptable stuff. Yeah. Now, let's fast forward to the era 1996 through 1998. Lewinsky is being revealed by, by Drudge and whatever. And what's Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton saying? They're calling it a right-wing conspiracy. <laughs> yes, I remember it, that well. It, it was the exact opposite of true. <laughs> Not only was there no conspiracy against the Clintons that was anything other than legitimate political opposition and investigations to their actual crimes, they were the ones conspiring to cover it all up. Yeah. And then, thank God for Matt Drudge, he actually exposed it for all to see, to the point where Clinton gets impeached and nearly convicted in the Senate and removed from office. But did Democrats, when they were presented with this overwhelming true evidence, turn on Clinton? No, the opposite. And they took their party down a very dangerous path. Yeah. And Obama, 
as I observed, how they they went after Bush, how those Democrats went after Bush, and all the Bush like people died, and Bush is a murderer, war criminal, stuff, which all led to Obama's, well, as the manipulation of the economy to crash the economy and make people question capitalism and, and the indoctrination of schools, and all those things that happened post Clinton really put the country in the position it could be in for a guy like Obama to do what he did. Yeah. And it cowed the Republican Party, who saw what happened to them being kicked in the head after Clinton, when they had the total case on him, to become such a submissive abuse yeah. lot. Yeah. And, and that's what teed it up today, where this reaction is coming both from this Republican base that's been driven irrational... And, and you and I have been defending the Republican conservative base. Well, but let me let me let me let me talk let me talk about let me talk about that because what's happening is, and everything that you're describing is a sense of, you know, we've given you a lot of power, you've abused the power, you've demeaned us, um, and, and you've 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 squandered our voice, and I think that's what we're hearing. I, in fact, I, I know it. It's um, it, it's a sense of outrage that's coming out that demands to be listened to. And Donald Trump, as crazy as he is, and I think he's crazy, I think he's uh, some level lower than a psychopath, because that's too strong a word for me. I know that you would use that word. I've been using the word sociopath. Oh, that's different. You're right. can lie, uh, say things that are not true, and believe them moment to moment. All right, that's what I meant. Some level lower than a sociopath, because I think that's a little, it it is quite strong. I do think he's uh, very full of himself. I think he's... um, Arrogant beyond belief. I think he is about power. I think he wants to be loved to the point of excess and destruction. On the other hand, uh, you know, you can say, well, he, he raised some very nice kids, and the kids seem to be successful in their own right and such. I credit the housekeepers. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the point is, this is what Trump uh, gives to people. They, he gives exactly that voice. And listen to what he says. He, he says, this president has sent us down a horrible, horrible path. He says these very pithy statements that are easy to understand and turn right to the, to the people's feelings. It, it goes right to it. It, it. it goes to the core of it. And, and as a consequence, people love it. They, they, I don't blame them for loving it. But he speaks simply. He speaks with feeling. And he speaks uh, in very short sentences. Things that people can understand. And then when he talks about Hillary Clinton, he talks about how bad she is and such. I can't wait to destroy her in the debates. She's going to be so sorry she's going to be with me. And this corrupt, she's a criminal. I tell you, she's a criminal. That's the way he talks. And I think he's right about that particular issue. I think he's going to be right about a lot of issues. But... His, what I'm concerned about is that I have no idea what he's actually going to do other than the things that he has been very vocal about, which is immigration, uh, dealing with ISIS and, and other foreign enemies of ours, which is all very important. Um, you know, whether he'll destroy Obamacare, I don't think so. I, I, you know, whether he'll believe in, in lower taxes, I don't know. There's, yeah, there's my, too, too much that I don't know yeah, about. My biggest concern is that he's not going to do what he says. I, yeah. I find his words <clears throat> wonderful. Yeah. If he did exactly what he said, fantastic. The problem with him is he'll say something five minutes from now that totally undermines what he said five minutes ago. Right. That's the danger with this guy. Yeah. I saw him speak for an hour and a half, and the stuff he was saying at the end of the speech were complete contradictions from yeah, no, I, the beginning. I, I, I agree. I agree. But this, this is what we're talking about, folks. We're talking about the, the fact that 
Trump is really a reflection of us, right? It's, you know, man moment time, right? What, what, what is this? Man and moment, I guess. Uh, there's a, there's an, a history channel thing called man, moment, and machine, right? All things come together at the right time. But in a sense, it's, it's man and moment right now for, for Trump because you don't really need a machine, I suppose. But he's got the money to do it, and the, the moment is right. He's tapping into the anger at just the right moment. He's not the establishment guy. He's just the right guy to tap in. And now, I don't think he's the right president. I'm, don't get me wrong. But there's a reason why he's succeeding so well. Now, as we speak today, it's Super Tuesday. And Trump, of course, uh, with expectation, is doing quite well. Now, I, and I said to you, Ari, before uh, today that there'll be two options for Trump to either do very well or really well. Okay, it's one of the two. He could lose all 13 <clears throat> states and he'll be doing fantastic. Yeah, exactly fantastic. right. So right now he's doing really well. And it's not excellent uh, because uh, Cruz is, it appears to be taking at least two states and maybe a third. So God willing, he'll take uh, even more, but it looks like hopefully three. And that'll allow Cruz to stay in. Uh, but even so, the, the point is there's so much momentum about this. And the, the open primaries, I think we're seeing for the first time a real impact with open primaries. Now, open primaries, just for definition purposes, basically means that anyone can, op- anyone can vote during a primary of, of either party. No matter so, what their registration Whatever your registration. So if you're independent, Democrat or Republican, you can vote in anybody else's primary as you please. Thank you very much. Which means that, and the only way you can explain what's happening in so many of these states, at least the ones with the open primaries, is that a lot of Democrats are coming across the table and voting for Trump. And, you know, in a sense, that's good um, because it, it means that they're not going to vote for Hillary. But on the other side of it, it means that a lot of Democrats are coming in that are diluting the Republican brand. So, and diluting the conservatism of our brand. Yeah, that's exactly right. So this is maybe one of the first impacts of, I mean, that's really demonstrably obvious, that has a true impact. Uh, so, but I don't know. I, I think um, you know, going, what we're talking about right now is about Trump's impact, that the, the the Trumpism. How do we explain, explain Trumpism? And I, th- I think we have explained it. It's a reflection of our own anger, uh, our, our irrational mood, our inability to, to see reason to some extent. It's all about anger, anger, anger. Just like the rapist victim who has just been able to escape and she wants to seek her revenge. It's not going to be a logical moment in time. Okay? Simple as that. Now, you may, see, may think I'm going too extreme. Fine. Think of it instead as, as being victimized uh, by, by some bullies, okay, who've been really outrageous to, to you as a, a little kid. And now you want to get back at the bullies who've been beating you. Same thing. You're not going to be logical. Anyway, I... I, uh, I I'm... You're making the point that if, if all was right in the world... We would desire just to go on with our lives as normal and find the most rational path right. and try to balance and equalize this rather than seeking retribution. Because uh, I can't remember, there was some writer who wrote a column recently that said that seeking political retribution for past wrongs almost never, in fact, in fact never, 
brings about the equilibrium we seek, which would be healthiest. It just it just leads to a, a constant uh, victimizations and recriminations right. that can go on for a long, long time. Well, but I think this is exactly what we're seeing here. I think we're seeing retribution, to use your word. Uh, people want to, they want payback at this point. They are furious with what's going on. If you actually listen to the people speaking about their outrage, except, of course, for the diehard liberals, like so many of, of our very diehard liberal friends, they don't get it. Well, um, they want payback, too, in the form of Bernie Sanders. Right. To a certain Bernie, that explains Bernie Sanders, too. Now, Bernie Sanders uh, is just not strong enough. He's not a Trump in the same sense. He's not... He doesn't have the wealth of, of uh, Trump, for one thing, and he doesn't have the charisma of, of Trump. But he still, you know, he, he see, Trump at least is speaking the language of capitalism and speaking the language of America, whereas Bernie Sanders is talking about socialism, which is antithet antithetical to everything American. So, yes, while he's galvanizing, he, Sanders, is galvanizing a lot of Democratic votes, great, good for him, um, but the, the reality is that uh, it, it only appeals to so many people. Uh, Hillary Clinton will get the nomination, but she's getting a, a run for it at the same time. Now, um, it'll be a much bigger fight in the Republican side, but if and when Trump wins the nomination, God forbid, but it looks like a very strong possibility. It's not, at this point, um, a, a foregone conclusion, but it it would not be surprising if he won the nomination. Let's put it that way. I think he would just slaughter Clinton. I think it would be the end of her completely because he truly is not an establishment candidate. That's, that's clear. And she is the embodiment of establishment and everything that liberals pretend to dislike, which is capital, crony capitalism, crony politicism, everything that you can imagine, she is it. And she's, you know, older and, you know, she's got the woman thing going against her and she's got all the other scandals to, to, to deal with. I just don't. And then the fact that so many Democrats will peel off and, and actually vote for Trump, I think she's going to be totally slaughtered. You know, I, I, if you feel otherwise, let me know. But I, I think that's the, the clear choice. I think there's, that's most likely the outcome. <clears throat> yeah. And I think that our, our greatest hope now, barring some miracle by Ted Cruz, to uh, <coughs> come back. Right is hopefully like a lot of people who share Trump's mentality that he just, like a kid with a toy that's a new toy, he just kind of gets tired of the toy and wants not to play with it anymore. I could see that, right? I mean, we could, all, we could both see that. Like, you know what? Uh, this, was, this was fun, but I, I'm not really interested in, in being, being president after all. I, I looked into it a little bit more, and it seems like it's more hard work than I, I was really gunning for. I don't want for. the pay cut. That's what I'm hoping he'll say. Yeah. Kind of like picture a, a grizzly bear that catches a salmon in an Alaskan river, takes one bite, then drops it and walks away. Yeah, that's, something like that's that. That's where hopefully... Yeah. He, he's not in for the long haul. And maybe... Uh, and if he does become president, God forbid, then, um, you know, I, I just can't see him get, getting reelected. But who knows? <laughs> we'll see about that. This is going to be... These are strange times. So let's see where this takes us. Um, you know, good for now. Are we going to be um, with uh, Cruz? Is Cruz going to be taking uh, more of a bold step? Perhaps. Hopefully he will. Um, but it's a very real possibility that this momentum of anger, which has been fueling and uh, for all this time, um, is unstoppable. It, and it's just, you can't explain the rage. You can't, it's like, like all the... 
the fist just kind of coming at you in a flurry that you can't explain why the arm is there at one moment and then the, the, the other arm is there at the, another moment. You just can't explain how reactive this person's going to be. There's nothing, there's no common sense to this. Even a boxing fight, you know, you, you have some sort of logic to it. First two rights and then a left and then jab and then go undercut and then a, you know, then hit, hit to the head and, and kind of pace yourself that way. Well, that's not the way this is being fought. No, it's like a bar fight or, or more like a, it's someone a, who's berserk. It's, it's a berserk rage. That's what's going on. And in defense of all those people who have said, gosh, if only we tried to nip it in the bud, you know, four or five months ago, this Trump business, you know, and kind of show that, that he's really, you know, kind of a masterful idiot, um, then we, would, we wouldn't have to be dealing with Trump right now. But, I, but it begs the question, I... What would we have done? No, no. What would sit in the bud is if John Boehner had the courage to shut down the government over Obama. No, I, I, I no, hear you. So seriously. Because I, I, but I'm not they, talking about that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just saying there was yeah. – once he ran, it was unstoppable. Okay? That, that's my point. Exactly. That's my point. It and could have only been stopped by the conduct of the Republicans when they were delivered the victories over Obama in the congressional – Look, the earthquake – under the seabed, if you will, was Obama. Okay, it created a tsunami. That tsunami started rolling. There's nothing you could have done about it. And that is the wave of anger that we're talking about. And uh, that is uh, Trump. It's not even Trump. It's Trumpism. Yeah, it's okay? the people. It's you know, the the perfect analogy is some the worshippers of a god, or or the the Nazis themselves. Hitler was not the power; it was the people who enforced Hitlerism on the streets. That's right. It's it's Hitler was just the manifestation of what the people were thinking, and what they wanted, and, and as as evil as it was, and likewise, Trumpism is happening, and it's it's not good. It's not pretty, but it's a reflection of what the people are feeling. And that's the reality of it. And there's, you know, for for any of the um, establishment candidates to think, well, gosh, we should have done X, Y, or Z. I don't know what you were talking about. I don't know what else you could have done. There's to, always, to, in, in your defense, so to speak. Well, there's. I just thought of what they could have done. They could have coalesced behind Ted Cruz. But the, well, the, truthfully, they could have. I know. And but they. But the truth is, they hated Ted Cruz even more than they hated Trump. No, but okay. In defense of all of them, for that matter, the way our system works and such, and for for, for that matter, the way human nature works. Yeah, it does. That, that is is that people don't get together in a room and say, okay, who's the most likely to win? Let's right. put up this guy. Okay, I mean, it, it, it's no more realistic than for somebody to show up your door for your. Your lovely little girls and say, or to my my boys, uh, and say, uh, you know what? There are not enough Jewish plumbers, and it would be better for the Jewish world if there were Jewish plumbers. So we'd like you to raise your child to be a plumber and not necessarily right. go to college, right? You'd say, get the f out of my door. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'll do what I damn well please, and you'd be right to say that. And you know what? If there's not enough. Uh, Jewish plumbers or electricians or whatever, and there's too many doctors and lawyers who are Jewish, well, then the tough, tough noogies, as they say. Deal with it. And, you know, everyone else worked to, to be whatever they want to be. You just, and that's the same thing with Rubio and Cruz right now, that, that they're in a battle with each other. And for that matter, Kasich is still there. I don't know why. But they all think 
that they are going to have it and that the others want, the others should drop out. That's fine, and we don't begrudge them for doing that. Um, we, we do think it would be great if one of them did that, but we, we understand the human nature side of it where they say, I'm going to stay in because I, I believe that the other one should drop out. And then in the meantime, of course, we're driving the car over the cliff. That's the way it's working. But the good news is, and I'm, uh, this is as we're speaking on the night of Super Tuesday, <clears throat> that it looks like Cruz is, 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 it's got some staying power here. And it, if anything, it looks like it would be Rubio who might pull out of this whole thing and maybe give Cruz a fighting chance. Then we might be able to have a truly joyous victory over Hillary Clinton in November. All right, I'm Breck Lurie. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case where your client invested $100,000 with her accountant who put her into various fake real estate investments. Yes, the challenge here was that neither the attorney nor the client were really focusing on this case. So what would you do? At the deposition, I had a big stack of documents that I told her I was going to ask her to testify about. I made sure she saw those documents and let her know her serious exposure. We settled for the full amount of the payments my client had paid her. We didn't even start the deposition. Litigation is a lot about understanding the psychology of your opposing party and sometimes the opposing counsel. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. segment about Donald Trump, right? And everyone, everyone, whether you're on the Republican side of the aisle or the Democratic side of the aisle, everyone is so surprised, right? Like, if they're not surprised that Donald Trump, you know, gained a little bit of traction, they're, they're certainly surprised that he's gained a tremendous amount of traction and has all the staying power and looks like he may very well take the nomination. They certainly a serious risk. And um, unless the Republicans, you know, think fast at this point, Trump is going to get the nomination. Okay. But it, but the surprise factor is what I want to talk about. And people talk uh, about history in the same way. They don't realize it's like, they don't realize one very simple overarching concept. And here it is. History is a series of surprises. Everything. History itself is a series of surprises. So when people talk about Trump uh, and, oh, it's just so surprising, they just didn't expect it to happen, that's what history is made of. Let me give you another example, the big picture items. Um, World War II started with uh, uh, the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, 
Surprise. Okay, America thought it was not going to go into the war, but it got into the war. Tough luck. You're in the war, buddy. Okay, and everyone can say, well, we were so surprised. They, they, it was literally a surprise attack, so you can say that. But, but there, all of a sudden, the war started. And then likewise, um, the surprise of, of Hitler arising, right? He was a surprise, so to speak. He, you know, people in hindsight, they all claim to know that, that this was a, inevitable, but it wasn't inevitable. Hitler was sadly galvanizing a moment just at the right time, a, a very hateful passion against Jews and otherwise. But he was a surprise for history. So was the fall of the wall in 1989. That came down and everyone was so, so surprised, right? I mean, think about all the things I can, I can go down this list um, from the macro to the micro. Um, another example I can think of right away is, is Obama. He was a surprise. Remember, in 2008, it was supposed to be Hillary's turn. It was so clear that she was going to be the president, at least a Democratic nominee. And out comes this, this guy who came out from no, nowhere and uh, galvanized the troops. And uh, they said, you know, we're not so interested in the first woman president. We'd rather have the first black president right now. Thank you so much. Step aside. Wait your turn. And next thing she knows, she's basically begging and pleading to be Obama's secretary of state. Surprise. History doesn't happen the way you think it's going to happen. Even the recent death of Scalia, right? Everyone's talking about, well, you know, the, the next people who are going to die are the, the oldest ones, right? Ginsburg and Kennedy and, and who else? I forget. But it doesn't matter. The, the point is, they were supposed to die first. That, that, it was, that, was their, that was their job, to die first. And then Scalia, well, surprise, he dies first. And the world is a Twitter about this. It's shocking. Everything's shocking about it. Why? Most history is a surprise. You have even the, the, the beginning of World War I. You know, everything was aligned. And, and then suddenly, you know, somebody shoots the, what is it, the Archduke of uh, Serbia, right? Dies. And that sets off everything. And it was kind of a surprise. No one expected it. But that, that was the thing that caused it to happen. World War I, which in turn led to World War II, uh, which in turn led to the Cold War, and all those things that had, had the ripple effect that, we, that we're dealing with still today. So <clears throat> I, I bring this up because I've learned in law and otherwise that nothing really happens according to your plan. You, you have to understand that there will be surprises in your life. In, in a chess game, for example, it happens. And, and maybe that's what makes life interesting. But how people think that they can just plan out their lives or plan out what history is going to be, uh, it's, it's always a mystery to me. No one would have expected Obama to become president, and no one would, would expect Trump to be where he is position-wise right now. He might very well be our next president, and if not our next president, the, the, the major Republican nominee. Surprise. Everything is a surprise. And it usually happens, the precursor to the surprise is when someone says, oh, such and such will never happen. Right. Yeah, that's so true. Stock market will never crash in 1928. Obama right. will never be president. Trump will never run. The Titanic will never sink. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> loving right now. They're saying, well, Ted Cruz has no chance. Yeah. Good. That's right. Good. Keep saying that. Yeah, Ronald Reagan is too conservative, and his economics will never work. Yeah, and look how... 
when the surprise moment happens, and sometimes it's human events, after it happens, everyone looks back as if, well, it was supposed to happen. Right. OJ is a perfect micro mm-hmm. happening. And then two macro ones would say be the uh, Challenger blowing up in 1986 and September 11th, right. 2001. Both are macro things that happened out of nowhere. That totally changed where the country's mind was or the world's mind was the day before. Right. Or sometimes somebody invents something, like uh, an iPhone, for example, and it comes out of nowhere. And everyone says, well, this is not going to work out very well. And surprise, it does. There's just too many things that, that, in fact, it seems to be the rule that life is a series and history is a series of surprises rather than the, the opposite. It's not the exception. It's the rule. If there's one thing you can bank on is that this coming year will involve a lot of surprises. Most of the events that happened in 2015, since you know we're, we've turned a couple of months away from 2015 by now, most of the events were surprises. Oh, how about ISIS, for example? You know, they, they said this is just the JV team. You know, they're easily contained. Surprise. Well, Democrats, surprise. Democrats they, tend to be easier to surprise than us. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's a good point. point. Yeah, I mean, but now they're, they're one of the... I mean, if you were to ask somebody in the year 2012 or late 2012 and say, gosh, you know, um, what do you think? There's going to be this some sort of new... Um, a Muslim entity that we've never heard of before, at least, and they're going to be slaughtering people and raping people and taking over this entire region in a way that we have to consider them one of the biggest threats, the, you know, in the past hundred years. Surprise, right? Same thing with um, with the civil, uh, the Syrian civil war and the Arab Spring. Nobody expected that. You know, you wouldn't have expected uh, the day that 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 man. Um, what's lit himself on fire. Lit himself on fire. That, I'm looking for the word. There's a em, emulated. emulated himself, setting himself on fire in Tunisia. You wouldn't say, well, that's the beginning of uh, this huge revolt that will, you know, connect uh, from one country to the next, and you'll see the whole uh, Arab region completely devolve into chaos. Uh, you would say, nah, come on, it's just one man, you know, being crazy. But that's exactly what happened. No one could have possibly predicted that. So Arab Spring, there it is. I mean, you, you, I think it's called an Arab, it should be called an Arab Nightmare, but there you have it. Uh, I predicted it. I, I saw it. Well, you know, you didn't see it from that emulation. Well, no, uh, but, but I think there's a, a connecting thing here, which is those of us who believe in God who've, and who also have an idea of the scope of history have gotten to the point in our lives where we understand that all the parables say, expect the surprise. Right. You might not be able to put your finger on the exact date or the exact right. moment, but you can see in generalities where it's going. It was obvious Iraq was going to fall apart. It was obvious Syria was going to be into a disaster. Oh, you for knew sure. the Arab world was looking to caliphate itself. Right. You knew upon Obama's election, all the forces of bad would rise up and be empowered in the Middle East, and the forces of good would be in recession. Right. So you could kind of extrapolate in general. <laughs> you could. But but yes, you're right. Like pulling out every single man from Iraq, that could not have possibly led to, to anything good, right? I mean, we, right. we know that. And the question was, what was it going to be? And then, so it has a name ISIS. It could have been some other name. It, it would have been just as evil. But but to, from the democratic point of view, from the, I'm sorry about that, from the liberal point of view, ISIS was a surprise. Uh, from a conservative point of view, we said, this is bad. Bad stuff is going to happen. I don't know in what form it's going to happen, but bad stuff will happen. Um, so you, you need to expect the unexpected. That's what we're saying. 
And you know who's really good at this? Expecting the unexpected and dealing with the surprises, the surprise element of history? The Israelis, they understand that, that the next day might bring a horrific surprise. So they always imagine, they try to think like their enemies. What would I do if I were seeking to penetrate through Israel? What, what would I do if I were trying to hurt Israel's PR? What would I do if I want to create fear within Israeli society, right and left? And, and they galvanize around. Now, do they get everything? No, of course not. But they are so well prepared, so often, precisely because they understand the simple notion that history is a series of surprises. And that will, that, that's true um, from every historical moment you can think of. There's not one historical moment where you can say, well, that makes sense. I mean, how, how about the American Revolution? That didn't make sense at all, right? I mean, everyone would tell you that there's no way the Americans could have won against the, the greatest uh, army in the world at the time. There's no way. They were not trained. They didn't have the, 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 the machinery. They didn't have the structure. The British did. And yet the British ended up leaving. Yeah, but I think you said earlier offline, two factors were in their favor, along with the miracle from God. Mm-hmm. The British loved to hold their formation. You're right. And the British loved to wear red. It's very easy to see. <laughs> very easy. That's true. <laughs> right. That's true. Uh, now, what, what, and what happened, I mean, there was a lot of luck in the Revolutionary War, a lot of it. I mean, <clears throat> for example, it was clear, by the way, that, that during the Battle of Trenton, or just, just before the Battle of Trenton, that um, the Americans were not going to win. It was just a question of holding them down, and you know they were, they were small little rebels. It was a they were a nuisance army, and even after the Battle of Trenton was was won, which was not a significant battle by the way, it had no strategic benefit. But what the British didn't know was that Washington would parlay this victory with the printing press to all of the uh, the colonies, and that galvanized everyone. That was a big surprise, as it were, to the British army. They didn't realize they didn't count on that simple fact that that uh, it, it would galvanize. This, this simple little skirmish, what the British thought was, was a simple skirmish, would become such a huge deal. Um, likewise with the uh, exile of the Jews from Israel. You know, they, they, they never expected to be completely pushed out of Israel altogether. And, and it's, it's not as if they said, you know, uh, the Romans gave them an eviction notice and say, within 60 years, you guys better start moving out, right? And just kind of gather your things in order and write your wills and all that stuff. Because we're, 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 no. The one day, the Romans did some horrific things and started slaughtering the Jews, raping the women and so on, and enslaving everyone else. And they, uh, and they said, get the hell out. They didn't say, you know, you have 24 hours, let alone 60 years, right? Get out. <laughs> and history was forever changed. Surprise. Okay? And then, of course, the temple was destroyed. And, and God forbid the, 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 that something terrible happens to Israel. And uh, the Western Wall, what some people call the Wailing Wall, is destroyed. Okay? I guarantee you it will be destroyed as a surprise. It'll just happen one day, and you'll say, what the freak happened? What happened? 9-11 is a good example of exactly that. Right? You, everyone woke up and, surprise, there are two friggin' planes in the world's two tallest buildings. And now it's gone. New York's two tallest. New York's, yeah. Now it's gone. Both of them are gone. 
I mean, that's the thing I remembered. I, I just was so shocked. It was like it was there one hour before, and, and now those two buildings, well, they're gone. I mean, just it was like too bizarre for me to, to accept that just yesterday they were there, and now they're not there anymore. But it was a big surprise for everyone, and no one, it, it, people didn't say, well, this is the inevitable, you know, inevitable moment in history that, that uh, everyone was planning for. No, just a surprise. So I, I'm, I'm, we need to think, reorient ourselves completely about how we view history and how we view things to be. And if that's the case, then if it is the case that history is really a series of surprises, we have to be more like the Israelis, be more surprise-oriented. Think about the bizarre things that can happen. Well, we need to expect the surprise. The, the surprise needs to be our, our new normal, not the static yeah. world that you've talked about right. in several... Well, look, look at the Republican uh, nomination, the process itself, right? You, you have you know, everyone lined up nicely, the Bushes, um, you know, the, the Jindals, and, and um, the Huckabees, and the... Scott Walker. Scott Walker. favorite Scott Walker. Yes, yes there Goodbye, you go. Goodbye, Scott Walker. <clears throat> the Rick Perrys, and everyone get lined up, you know, okay, well, let's, uh, this is our year, and uh, a lot of us wanted to play ball, but uh, let's see. Oh, there's this guy named Trump, and, you know, well, he's just a kind of a loose cannon, but nevertheless, here we are, um, and then surprise. Jeb Bush, who was fed 100, I mean, all his supporters were totally surprised. $100 million, like right off the bat. He had plenty of money to, to spend. Yeah, shock and awe money. Yeah, shock and awe. And, and what happened? He, I think he broke once 5% once. I mean, how embarrassing for him. For how all that. How embarrassing for the donors. Donors, for everyone involved. For everyone. It, it was a, it's a surprise year. And, and, you know, in hindsight, we are now all trying to figure out why it came to pass. Well, and we talked about this in the first segment, right? It, it came to pass because it, it's a man and moment moment. That's what's happening. And there's a lot of anger, and Obama's part of that, that has, has created that anger. Um, but it still was a surprise to even you and me that, that Trump would galvanize that much uh, attention and that much uh, popularity. We thought, you know, it would mean something if Trump, let's say, you know, was going neck and neck for 10%, right, with, with somebody else who was also 10%, and he might be third. And then we would bite our nails as to whether or not this Trump guy is going to gather a little bit more, more, more momentum. But instead, he was at anywhere between 25% and 40% almost all the time. And he was a, a machine that is it's, it's just shocking to everyone. And they're all thinking, like, how come we didn't see this coming? Why didn't we plan for this? I'll tell you why. Because history is full of surprises. That's why. And then even, even with Bernie Sanders, he came out of nowhere also. Surprise, Hillary. You have to deal with this now. Right? Surprise, Hillary. You have to deal with your email scandals and everything else. Where We actually might be paying attention to what's going on. But nothing is as you think it's going to be. And if, if you want proof of that to really kind of bring it home to you, think about your own life, Ari, right? If you were to ask yourself uh, when you were 14 years old, what are you going to be when you're 45 years old, right? You're 45 now, 46, right? What, you know, tell me what's going to happen. You'd say correctly, I have no idea. If you're smart, you'd say I have no idea. And the reason why is because you know that life 
throws all sorts of curveballs, sometimes a, a little leg up, but a lot of uh, surprises along the way. That's the way that life works. And, and, they, and people still talk about history as if there's a natural order to history. And it just ain't so. There's no reason why we should believe that America will always be the way it's been. Right? We had an episode which we called, I think very aptly, Tomorrow Won't Always Be. Remember that? And it was about not taking things for granted. And the same thing is true with, with America. Don't think for a moment that one day we'll look around and, and we'll realize that we're not maybe, a, maybe not a third world nations, but that we're second fiddle to a couple of other nations that have decided to assume the role of policemen. Uh, or worse comes worse, you and I are living in a different land, uh, taking our um, Mandarin as a second language classes. Right, right. Setting up our new lifestyle at the bottom of an economic scale in a very uh, humid place. Right. I don't look forward to that, but it might come to that. The history of the Jews has always been that. Right. Evictions, diasporas, nomadic existence. And return. And return. Yeah, so long as we re-embrace with God. You know, the funny thing is that so long as, and this is the beauty of it, the one thing that you can count on is that you truly embrace God. And, and I know I speak a lot about God. You speak a lot about God, but, and we think so similarly. But the truth is that when you are confronted with trying to resolve something, I think one of the first things you should do is to first embrace God, first understand that God is, is in charge of everything. That's probably a good first order of business. Yeah, is it? Get, 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 that, get, that, get that under wraps yes. first. And then you can, you'll start, if, if, even if that's not what is the most obvious answer, you'll see that that brings clarity to what the answer is. Yeah, isn't that funny? In so many situations, people reserve prayer for the last option rather yeah. than the first option. Oh, yes. So true. Yeah, for example. A simple moment of prayer right. can help clarify everything <laughs> right. at the front end of a problem rather than the back end of oh, a problem. So true. It really is true. Take, take the example of a, a cancer patient. And let's say you're at stage four of the cancer, right? You're, you're going through all the chemotherapy, and it looks like, you know, in a couple of weeks, you might very well die. Family members are very concerned, uh, and rightfully so. And that's when they pray. That's when. Why, why, why not at first, <laughs> right, and, and hoping that the answer comes and the chemo works or something like that, right? Yes. <laughs> so, and it's, but why not say, you know, wake up every morning and say, I, I feel healthy, you know, way before cancer even develops, and say, God, thank you for my health. Wow, everything is so balanced in my life, and it's, you know, it's such a delicate balance, and uh, let's, let's thank you, okay, right? That's, that's what you should be doing, right? But uh, people don't keep that priority. So, look, to, to avoid the surprises, because I want to get back to the whole thing about surprises, and, and it's, it doesn't have to be that way. When, when a, a country, or a people, for that matter, strongly rally around God and follow God's commandments and guidance. Good things are going to happen. It always has been that way, right? You, you truly embrace God, you'll, you'll be blessed. Look and at America. surprises turn out to be good surprises. Yes. Oh, yes. So, you know, good point. The founding fathers of America may not have expected ever that America would flourish the way it did. And flourish is a good word here because flourish means to flower, right? They, they would not have expected such incredible flourishing. 
uh, of the, the, the intellect and the arts and the sciences and everything else. They would never have expected that. Big surprise, a good surprise, but all within the rubric of this is a God-centered society that loves freedom, that embraces the notion of limited government. They like that kind of surprise, right? You and I love it. You know, who knows? What they, I mean, don't you enjoy saying and wondering what the future is going to be like, you know, innovation-wise 20 years from now, right? If I ask you that question, you know, your mind wanders to really cool gadgets and... Flying cars. Yeah. Electri- uh, free electricity. Right, maybe typing, if, if there's typing anymore at all, but typing on an invisible keyboard that kind of floats in space, uh, you know, while you see it on your screen, which is also similarly floating in space. I don't know. Those are cool. It's, cu- it's cool to imagine. The Here's what's n- yeah. what you think gets typed. Right. That's right. It, it, there you go. With a chip in your brain, I don't know how it works. But nevertheless, it's just fun to explore this, right? You and I, you, you can imagine talking to your kids. Hey, kids, and have a dinner discussion about this. What do you think the, the, the greatest inventions are going to be like 30 years from now? What is it going to look like? Nothing, no idea is too crazy, kids, and, and that. But then, so those surprises, like you said, are fun. Because, you know, no, nobody would have guessed the Internet, for example, or at least, you know, normals like you and me, uh, back in 1975, for example. Oh, there's this thing that's going to be, we're, we're all going to be connected by our computers, and we're all going to know each other this way, and um, people will be dating each other via the, this, this thing called a website. I mean, all this weird language, but it's a big surprise. But co- by converse, or conversely, I should say, we don't want surprises. We don't want, if I were to ask you the question, What's the government going to look like 20 years from now? What major changes in government structure will there be? Your answer will be, because I know you, I hope there is no change in government structure. No, no, no. Ask me the question. Well, you want to go back the, the, the no, way no, it used no, to be. No, no, no. Ask All me right. the question. Because I've, I've, you, my answer, I think, is better. Okay. What do you imagine <clears throat> 20 years from now, what changes there will be in government structure? What government? <laughs> That's good. <coughs> well, That's we, what I am. We need, we need to have limited government, of course. It's so Although, limited, I don't even know it's there. Understand? It'll be like the invisible keyboard we were just talking right. about. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the, the point is that when you, when you talk about the future, we don't want any surprises when it comes to the government structure. The government structure worked very well, and, and hopefully it's still working well, but it's, it's teetering on a complete revamping uh, that that's, can be very destructive. We have to be very, very careful. And there have been some changes made throughout America's history, one of which I think is a big mistake, um, which was to allow the Senate to be elected by popular vote. It should have remained what it was supposed to be, which is that they would be um, appointed uh, and elected in turn by the Congress. Well, appointed by state legislature. But, I'm sorry, but, but that's what I meant, state legislature, right. And that's the way it should have been, and that, that way would, they'd be a little bit more attuned. Uh, it wouldn't have to be uh, so, um, they wouldn't have to placate to the popular mood uh, in every moment. So, the, anyway, you get the idea. And, uh, uh, and, and there are other changes, but they were not so dramatic. The other big change, I suppose, is the, the approach to the Constitution as a living document. That, that is certainly a very dangerous and ominous change that has happened. But even so, we still have the notion of checks and balances, three major uh, branches of the government, and so on. And I, and I want that to be the way it is 40 years from now, 80 years from now, 400 years from now. And if it's not like that, well, then maybe it's not the same America. 
I don't want a surprise there. And it doesn't have to be a surprise, so long as we stick to our principles. We are the ones who can actually control that kind of surprise, right? We can't control it. it, but it takes vigilance. And we have to remember that we are not necessarily swayed uh, by every given moment of fancy that, of somebody's idea that, that, that might come into their head. That if we instead understand that we are more like a sailboat that we must control because we want to go from point A to point B in the most efficient way possible, we don't just let the wind flap our uh, sails and then decide, well, that's where we were meant to be, right? Because if you have that attitude, then history truly will be a series of surprises, and that's all it will ever be. You'll never know what's going to happen the next day. When you have, by contrast, a notion that I'm going to control the sails, I have a guiding principle, and that guiding principle is, is freedom and love of God, uh, th th there is really no room for surprises. We, we don't, you know, enemies may come and go, but we'll be able to put them down easily. Easily. And we won't even be talking about the surprises. It's because we, in a sense, let our guard down for decades with the terrorists and such, uh, Al-Qaeda and otherwise, that Al-Qaeda was able to do what they did. That's why. But how do we, the notion that our country is unique, for example, and that we must always guard ourselves against terrorist invaders and, and bizarre ideologies that seek, seek to destroy us? We would know. We, we need to be much more vigilant when it comes to airport security and otherwise. We weren't. So guess what? We got ourselves a surprise on 9-11. Okay. Anyway, um, this is the notion that I, I kind of wanted to get out there because I I feel that people don't, they, they always talk about surprise, but not realizing that just about every historical moment is in itself a surprise. Everyone. And uh, things that's from, from, not just from a political point of view, from a cultural point of view, uh, from, a, um, from a music point of view, or from an art point of view, bizarre things happen all the time. And they shape us. They, unless we decide to to also take control and shape ourselves. For that, there can only be one thing, and that is a love of God, a love of freedom, a love of America. You, you have those three things? Well, maybe you won't be subject to surprise all the time. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you real soon.